0: Another week has flown by the sourced Week in Review podcast time, Jordan McDonald, welcome. Hi Michael. My name's Michael Crutcher and Jordan, it's seven days since we sat here last week and discussed the death of the Queen and here we are a week later and it's still dominating media coverage. Certainly is. There's plenty happening um, and a funeral to come on Monday night as well, so I guess we'll probably even discuss it. This time next week, but as we said last week, this is a really interesting insight into the way that we react to stories, the way social media processes stories, and the way that we discuss them. It's um, it's actually – I caught a bit of the uh, movie The Queen uh, during the week which was made about 20 years ago, which was set around um, Princess Diana's death and how the royal family and the government handled the communications around that, oh, Right, which okay. was like – watching of course another planet you know no social media um boy it was different but obviously this one is and uh and talking to some of our contacts in mainstream media it's been fascinating to get their insights into what people are interested in they can monitor the clicks on stories uh, and it seems as though that the i I guess the realities of the queen's death people have got used to that Um, but the big traffic now is coming for stories about uh, Meghan Markle, Prince Harry, and some of the other things. That is apparently doing big business for clicks. Now, it's not getting my clicks, I must say. No. Um, but if you're wondering why you're seeing so many stories about, uh, about Harry and uh, Meghan, well, there's a reason because people are
1: clicking, but I'm not. Are you? No, I'm not clicking on Meghan Markle at all. I haven't seen a whole lot about it, to be honest, in my feeds. One week on and and honestly, unless I see any of the coverage, I don't think about it. It sounds awful and and don't get me wrong, I'm aware of how significant the Queen's passing is but it doesn't directly affect me, you know? Yeah, and I
0: think that's an interesting part about it and, you know, I'm interested to see how next week goes with the funeral. Mm. Um, You know, obviously people changing, uh, you know, the Brownlow medal moves away from the Monday night slot because... Uh, oh,
1: of course, you don't
0: want to compete with uh, fu- uh, Queen's Funeral. But also this public holiday next Thursday and some of their reaction to that as well. It's been interesting to gauge the way that people respond to how should you act after a monarch dies. And I'm not sure, as Australians, given it's the first time in 70 years, there's a fair bit to sort out in terms of expectations of the way that people react to those. So that's certainly um, been an interesting response. Um, but, yeah, what about in terms of what we're seeing from data as well overseas. You saw some interesting data that was
1: put out in terms of what's coming on cable TV in the US. Yeah, no, we obviously know the coverage of the Queen has been pretty unbelievable. It's constant, it's everywhere. I did come across some stats today which highlight this. Um, So we're looking at Axios today and they put out some information that showed the Queen the coverage of the Queen is 10 times more popular than the major news out of the Ukraine war, and that was that Ukraine had regained 3,400 miles of yeah, there territory. Was yeah. quite a breakthrough yeah. It was that. a massive yeah. could, a potential turning point was what they were saying. Yeah. Um, and the coverage of the Queen is also 15 times more popular than any of the inflation coverage, which obviously affects more people in the Queen's death. That's true, the infl- and some big inflation news in the US this week. So it's a really interesting,
0: uh, I guess, measure on what audiences find of interest to them. So um, that doesn't surprise me, though, I must say, in that uh, the Queen is doing big business there. But I'm sure next week we'll talk again about the funeral coverage um, and also the reaction of public holidays and how that's all lined up. But Now, one thing we wanted to talk about last week, but we held over due to the Queen's death, yes there was this really interesting uh, research from roy morgan mm-hmm. on um trusts with uh with brands so trust and distrust and of course uh, roy morgan's done a fair bit of work here around um th- you know this in the last sort of four years and they 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 say they have a, a rolling poll of about 1,800 mm, people yeah, yeah. where they go and assess, um, you know, their view on brands. So they're building up a bit of a uh, a database yeah. there to see those sort of yeah. trends and they talk about the importance of trust, whether uh, we're talking about brands or uh, human relationships, trust is, mm-hmm. you know, as they say, the glue to it. So what have we found in this latest batch of data from Roy Morgan? I think this it goes up till June thirty, but it's very interesting. Uh, they look at the brand's, that are trusted and distrusted, but also the industry. So we might start with the industries.
1: Yeah, we'll have a look at the industries first. I'll start with the most trusted industries. The top five, starting with number one, was supermarkets and convenience stores. So they're the most trusted industry. Second was retail. Three or third was consumer products. Fourth, services. And then fifth was charities. If we then change across to distrusted industry. So the most distrusted, and it's not too surprising. Social media was the most distrusted industry. Yep, thought followed, that be the case. Yeah, followed by telecommunications. In third spot was banks. Fourth was mining and petroleum. And fifth was the dirty media. <laughs> <laughs> I think media would take that, wouldn't they? I think they have to. <laughs> be happy with fifth. Yeah, no, I think they have to take it. But in, to summarise those... Um, the supermarket sector remains the sort of the biggest winner of consumer trust. No surprise. Social media remains the biggest loser, and then banking, because there's an extended list outside of this top five here. Banking and and non bank financial services they improved a fair bit. Um, it's worth noting though that since Roy Morgan started collecting this data in 2018, the five most distrusted industries have all become more distrusted. Yeah. Wow. Yes.
0: So what about the trusted brands? So you've mentioned already that the supermarket (coughs) sector is big. It's the number one in those industries as a whole. So talk us through the top 10 trusted brands because I'm guessing that supermarkets figure
1: prominently there. Yeah, so to explain how they got um, industries quickly, they pull the industry from the brands. They actually measure the brands, but then based on that, they pull the industry from that. Yeah, sure. So the, the top brands, and we look at the top 10 here, um, number one, Woolworths, Coles is number two, so the two uh, supermarkets. Third, you've got Bunnings. Fourth is Aldi. Fifth is Kmart. Sixth, Qantas. Seven is Apple. Eight is Meijer. Nine, Toyota. And ten is Big W. Where's well, a stack of uh, supermarkets retail there? A stack of them in there. So uh, one point to note in the, in the trusted brands list here is Qantas – They had the largest drop of any brand in its actual net score, net trust score, but it wasn't big enough to shift its ranking. But um, yeah, I'm not surprised that Qantas has copped it a little bit. It's yeah,
0: yeah. um, That's a really interesting list of those ones. I mean, Woolworths and Coles. I mean, Bunnings, we remember when um, the state government here had some COVID vaccination yeah, clinics out running out of Bunnings. Yep, yep. You know, so hook up with Bunnings uh, doesn't hurt state governments to do that given uh, obviously Bunnings has a high uh, trusts um, score with its uh, with its users. But, mm. you know, Aldi at four, Kmart, these types of things, I guess, they. I mean, it, they make the point in this research that some businesses put, you know, trusts, on their um, balance sheet and some sort of monetary recognition of of what it's worth to a business. I know it's hard to do that, but you can see why with some of these and they're there. like Qantas I find interesting because you know Qantas has such a great safety record over it the years. Does. Mm-hmm. Um, but clearly people have been unhappy with what's happened the last um, certainly yeah with uh flight delays mm. and um and baggage issues whatever so that's hurt them but apple i thought apple um you know i guess it goes to show that australians have trust with these brands like woolworths and Coles and apple it's got to work a bit harder to move up there um so yeah I, I guess those trusted brands i find very interesting one thing i'll say about this I know that Roy Morgan's doing this since 2018, uh, but this has been done for a long time by different organisations. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was a newspaper editor, we would often see these types of uh, um, you know, trust or distrust barometers. And I remember clearly that there was a period, you know, getting back sort of uh, 15 plus years ago, when the banks had very low trust scores in the sense that they were seen to have these mega profits. Yeah, right. Which you've all seen to get a bit used to now, but, Mm -hmm. you know, interest rates were higher than they were now, and we all felt as though the banks were just taking billions of dollars in profit. Yep. And so they got a bit of a reputation there. Now, when the global financial crisis hit in 2008 and the banks were seen as a refuge... I remember the trust score for banks turning overnight almost. So it was almost seen as a, well, the banks can help us here. In a time of uncertainty, Mm. they are a certainty in terms of safety for us. So I just remember that changed almost overnight. So uh, this is a fascinating um, study because it reminds us of why it's so important for any organisation to have that trust brand. So, what about the distrusted brands? We've had the top 10. Trusted ones. Where are we at with the distrusts?
1: Yep. So we know that the most distrusted industry was social media. So you won't be surprised. The number one on the most distrusted brands was Meta or Facebook, followed by then Telstra. Uh, third place was Amazon. Fourth, News Corp. Um, fifth was Google. Six is Harvey Norman. Seventh, AMP. Eighth was Rio Tinto. Nine was Nestle, which was an odd one for me, but and then tenth was Westpac. So a, a bank in there at, at ten. A bank was in there at ten. Yeah. So over the last twelve months, um, the point to note here with this list was Harvey Norman by far the biggest loser by far. It went from the seventeenth most distrusted brand to the sixth. And um, those who Said they distrust Harvey Norman. They still dredge up the JobKeeper scandal, where the brand made record profits that year and pocketed all the JobKeeper money. they returned what six million of it, but yeah, yeah. For whatever reason, yeah. it indicates that when it comes to this toxic distrust, the Australians have long memories, and the the media coverage also makes a huge difference there. So that's what I find very
0: interesting. Media are obviously we've mentioned scores low in terms of industry. Uh, There are media um, brands prominent in the distrusted brands, yet Harvey Norman is a case in point. Mm. We read media coverage of these brands, which is negative, and that adds to their distrust issues. So we obviously have enough trust in media in different ways to, you know, believe things that are in there. Um, But – as a whole we don't really trust media and I get all that I understand mm. why I don't think that would be a surprise to any media outlet um, not surprised to see Telstra in there at number two I am surprised that Amazon's in there I must say um, maybe I don't have enough dealings with Amazon myself okay. but um Amazon uh, up there. Uh, AMP is an historical distrusted brand. I think for trouble it's run into over several years. So AMP sits up there and that's a legacy one. I guess Nestle, like you, I have no idea why Nestle's there. I, I really don't know. I don't
1: get it either. I have no idea. I'd have to look into it.
0: Yeah, maybe it's uh, a wider issue as such, but um,
1: Westpac not shocked at all that it's in there. So what are your thoughts on this, Jordan? I mean, I'm not surprised to see that social media is listed there so frequently. Um, In in the extended list, uh, I think just about every platform's in there. Um, I mean, that that constant cycle of the data privacy breaches, I think it's really just left users feeling like their information isn't safe online at all. Um, I wanted to ask you, actually, the uh, the mining and petroleum, maybe I'm just clueless. Why is it constantly in the the distrusted list? Is it the price gouging on petrol? Or what is it?
0: Oh, I think, yeah, definitely every time you fill up at the petrol station, you think I'm getting snipped here yeah, badly, but also... Certainly at the moment. Yeah, mining, climate change, uh, you know, profits, those types of things, and, and I think... That's part of uh, the cost of business for that industry. Yeah. A Bit like media, I don't think they'd be surprised. But um, you know, and you know, if you're going to poll this in a couple of weeks' time, when the petrol excise um, is returned by the federal government, um, you know, you probably have mining and petroleum, you know, hurting at the same time. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised about that.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised. It's, it's obviously improved. Then in March of 2020, it was the most distrusted industry. So yeah, I suppose right. it's made an improvement, but. The media comment you made, I think, is spot on. Um, y- you know, we, we spoke about it before the podcast too. That people don't trust news and sort of unless it's bad news, really. So you know, all the scepticism around the the reporting on COVID, um, it was questioned so much. But if you know, if there's a story on Meghan Markle, you know, ignoring the Prince William, yeah, it must be true. Has yeah, to be. That's, <laughs> that's um, yeah, that's part of that. Uh, I guess that contradiction.
0: And mm. I think for media, one of the problems for media over recent years is that people have really f- – they're empowered to form their own opinions because mm. they feel as though they're informed, ironically, by, by social media, ironically. Yeah. So, you know, people are far from picking up the newspaper and being dictated to or listening to radio. They um, they feel a lot more confident in their views, which has made it harder for media in the trust. interesting thing is that you look at the ABC uh, as well – the ABC has suffered a, a fall in the net trust score. So trust, you know, minus distrust figures, the ABC has quite suffered quite a fall over time. Okay. So, you know, and again, that's part of that situation where people become more empowered mm. to back their own opinions. And the ABC, you know, that's uh, where it is now. Um, people feel, um, I guess, as though their opinions are more justified. They don't have to wait. Still, uh, the ABC score brings media up, definitely. Yep. It's got a trust uh, factor, but it's not what it was because I think of the way that things have changed. But um, um, speaking of media, we're going to talk about upfronts. I feel a bit trendy saying upfronts. Do you trendy tr- upfronts? So That's sort of like a bit of uh bit <laughs> of a you know in-house term. What the hell are upfronts?
1: Yeah, right. So to give you an idea of why we're talking about upfronts, Nine Network they impressed their media buyers this week with its twenty twenty three upfronts, and it's the first upfront. That was in person since the pandemic. So what is an upfront? It's basically it's an event that's hosted by the networks and it previews the programming for the next 12 months. Yeah, so they come out and they do the big presentation. The big this presentation. is what we're going to have the next 12 months and you should really get
0: advertising with us because yeah, everyone's going to be that's watching these shows.
1: Yeah, the aim is yeah. locking advertisers up front yeah. or before the programming begins. So, yeah, networks are essentially selling the future, you know, the future audience, the popularity of that show, hopefully. Yeah. And the hope is to attract big money then and there. Um, This actually started in the 1960s, a little bit of history. Black and white TV, 1960s, (laughs) as meetings between the TV executives and marketers. But they've now... And and wouldn't the shows have been different back then? Wouldn't they? Imagine that coming up uh, in
0: 1967 will bring you... Whatever.
1: Yep, we'll bring you whatever between this hour and this hour before Batman. the TV goes off. The yeah. original Batman's here we go, be exciting. But uh, now it's obviously morphed into these big parties for the advertisers, the investors and the fans. Yeah.
0: About a thousand people at the Channel Nine one.
1: Yes, yes. So, you know, upfronts have been considered the backbone of the TV industry for the best part of the last sixty years, but now the digital ad buyers are starting to threaten the the precious T V ad dollars. Yep. So there's an argument that upfronts maybe are a bit dated. Yep. You know, as much as they've morphed, they're probably a little bit behind. Yep. And they argue that it seems ridiculous that any media company can guarantee any audience over the next 12 months. And then that any financially responsible advertiser would in exchange give a decent chunk of their annual budget to this network, especially considering how the last two years have shown how the health of any company's business can sort of change overnight. Yeah. On the other side, Upfront still has their place. You know, the the last two years show how important it is for companies to be able to reach as many people, uh, to reach as many of their current potential customers as possible. Yep. Uh, And then, you know, that remains sort of the most cost-effective way to do that, is television. That's
0: right. So what happened at Channel 9 and the the guys from the Unmade podcast did a very good report on this, as did some other media being Mm. there to see what happened? Um, what have we learned from nine? Because nine is a big business now. It's it's nine television. It's nine radio. The likes of four BC, two GB. It's uh, uh, the Sydney Morning Herald, the Age, uh, Brisbane Times. There's a whole bunch of uh, brands here that is not just Channel Nine television, but that was the most prominent. So what happened? It uh, what what have they shown us that we should be excited about next year?
1: You're right. So they've presented this whole company strategy. And advertising you That encompasses everything You just mentioned there It'll be across Television, radio And publishing So that's All it's up yep. for grabs To be spread across Their full network There's a heap of new shows That was the main focus he- he- yep. Heap of new shows Coming in 2023 A few of the big ones You know Gordon Ramsay's Food Stars uh, The Summit Which is an interesting Sort of race themed thing We've got a race To the top of a mountain In 14 days
0: You've got a race To the top of a mountain Yeah
1: Reality TV. Reality TV. Yeah, okay, yep. Mm. And then, of course, the two part sort of biopic on on Shane Warne, Warning. which will be spread over two nights. Yep. Um, there are some of the shows, the popular ones, returning next year as well, and that's, you know, Married at First Sight. Of course. Reality TV again. The Block. Of course. And uh, Lego Masters. They were the sort of the most popular ones that stood out. So they will be coming back. It's interesting because,
0: uh, and I see why the. You know, the likes of Nine have these. You understand why. It's a good chance to showcase uh, the strength of the business, also what's coming. But you strip it all away from a TV viewpoint. Mm. Take the TV viewpoint away, and it's still sport is so important. We go into, uh, you know, this weekend, mm. uh, tonight, big uh, AFL prelim final, NRL semi-finals. I mean, sport's going to rule again. Oh, um, yeah. You know, so you strip it away. It's sport. News is still really important, mm-hmm. and then of course whatever reality TV you can get to work for you.
1: Yeah, whatever uh, pops off.
0: That's it, and we know that the, some of these shows have a shelf life. We've seen that over the years. Mm. The Bachelor being one of them. Uh, they're great, and they come off a bit. Yep. Um, you know, Q and A from the ABC sort of you know, uh, you know, on its dying breaths. You'd think the way that uh, its ratings are, but people get used to different things. Mm. You've always got to try and reinvent them. But while you're trying to reinvent, you know you've got sport. And you know you've got news That's But sport it. costs a stack Oh doesn't it News doesn't cost as much as drama When you're trying to fill up an hour From six till seven mm. The news can be done in a, in a cheaper way than drama But nothing works like sport. So for all of the up fronts We still know that sport And we discussed this last week About the TV rights for the AFL We know that the NRL TV rights Have been in the news again With what might happen next for those yes. So yeah strip it all away They are the things that uh, work really well So uh, speaking of sport uh, Mighty Norse Devils,
1: prelim final at home tomorrow.
0: Yes. Against the Falcons, going for a grand final spot. That'll
1: be me for the weekend. You? I'm uh, working tonight and I'm in Gladstone again tomorrow. And then Sunday, we've got a Billie Eilish concert. Shannon cannot wait.
0: Oh, yeah. It's, uh, she's been getting good reviews too.
1: Yeah. You no, know, it's what Shannon said, but I, I told her i had not seen a single thing about her even being in the country. <laughs> oh, I've missed all of it. <laughs> Touring when the Queen dies. Yeah, there you go. That's probably it. It's tough to get publicity when you can. We have very different feeds, I reckon. Me and Shan.
0: Well enjoy that. I will. We look forward to the review next week.